My name is Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. You're addicted to your work. And not only are you addicted, but you work in an environment where most people wear that addiction as a badge of honor despite how much it weighs them down both mentally and physically. Luckily, Gloria Chan is here to fix that. She started Recalibrate in 2018 and is on a mission to help people think clearer, feel better, and live happier. Leaving her corporate job after a series of debilitating migraines, Gloria has dedicated herself to finding a science-based approach to everyday mental wellness. Recalibrate, at its core, provides go-getters just like yourself a modern science-based approach to mindfulness, neural wellness, and stress management. When I sat down with her earlier this week, we touched on everything from the difficulties she faced while starting a new business to some small tips that even you can implement into your work life to feel just a little less stressed. I hope you enjoy. Gloria, thank you for sitting down with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just jump into it right away. You started a company called Recalibrate. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about that company? What kind of services Mm -hmm. you kind of offer, uh, your typical clientele, everything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Recalibrate is a company that was founded mid-2018, almost a year and a half ago. Um, We were founded to provide more of a modern and science-based approach to mindfulness and mental wellness for Mm go-getters. So before I opened Recalibrate, I joked that I was an expert in stress before an expert (laughs) in mindfulness and mental wellness. Um, I hail from about a decade in management technology consulting world, very high pressure, go, go, go. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, long work weeks. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I had my own kind of personal medical battle with chronic migraines that forced me to become far more educated on the science behind kind of brain body connection, as well as kind of just everyday mental wellness topics around stress and anxiety. And it led me to realize that there's a bit of a gap in everyday mental wellness, especially for us Mm go-getters who kind of wear stress as a badge of honor and then stigmatize slowing down and taking care of our minds and felt like an unsustainable model that I had lived through as well as watched many of my close colleagues or friends kind of live through. Yeah. And I just felt like there could be something better. Um, And that's when I open recalibrate to focus on that more modernized and science-based approach. Um, I think that there's a lot of fear almost or hesitance around talking mental wellness or talking about the mind because Mm -hmm. we don't want to seem fluffy or nebulous and companies just kind of shy away from that. Um, But at the root of it, there's so much science behind how our brains work and science behind things we've all experienced before Mm -hmm. around stress and racing thoughts, et cetera. Um, So that's why I open Recalibrate. The company itself is kind of based around, I mean, you use the word Mm -hmm. go-getter. And those people, I would assume, typically don't want to admit that they're struggling mentally or that they are having any issue because most of the time those people are just go, go, go. They're task driven. They're, they want to get there. Yep. Um, and is that how you were beforehand? Oh yes. And I would argue probably still right now. Yeah. Um, I think for me, what hasn't changed is that stress hasn't gone away. I think stress will always be there for Mm -hmm. a person. What's changed for me is my relationship with stress and my awareness of, how it is in my life and my awareness of how I do or do not feed into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you're, you're noting is that for a lot of us go-getters, stress and working long hours and having candle burning at both ends is part of our identity to a mm-hmm. certain extent. It's not really part of the identity that you consciously ever choose into. It just becomes what it is. Mm-hmm. 
And then suddenly you're kind of beholden to that, right? And so a big amount of kind of the services that we provide is around giving bite-sized educational pieces around helping people just become more aware Mm -hmm. around their own habits, what they're rooted in, and some realistic tools that fit into busy lifestyles still um, to help improve upon kind of the status quo. Yeah. You... uh you just mentioned the struggles that you were having with the migraines. Mm-hmm. When did they start? You know, how did you know that that was something you needed to tackle in a way that was much larger than just, you know, taking medication or things like that? Yeah. Um, my first migraine was in my early twenties mm-hmm. when you're in your early twenties. So you're kind of like invincible and you go to the doctor real quick and try yep. to get some pills and then you're gone, <laughs> um, which was exactly my case. And I had a migraine probably once every three or four months at the onset. So it didn't bother me a ton. Yeah. Um, by late 2017 though, there was a really big spike where I saw my migraines happening once a week, which is when I really kind of buckled down and yeah. researched a good neurologist to get into here. And medication is kind of the first line of sight, but my neurologist was great in that she also focused on, all right, what is your life and what does your work look like? Mm -hmm. And after quickly hearing that it was stressful and always on the road and long hours, she said, try to maintain your stress a little bit better. Try meditation, try mindfulness maybe. And she gave me an app and the name of a place to go to here. And I tried it, um, but it felt, I I very much lived the skeptical lens, right? Yeah. this is frou-frou and I'm not sure that this is for me and I don't know what the benefit of this is. So I don't know that I should be spending my time and resources on this. Mm-hmm. Did you think it was frou I mean, I think that's a common common thing. When mm-hmm. someone says that they're meditating, I mean, there's a there's a mental picture that everyone has in their head yeah. of somebody like sitting cross-legged. On a rock. Yes. Like, on a beach. <laughs> and so there's, it's not what you would associate with somebody being in their office, yep. you know, maybe just taking 10 minutes out of their day between meetings yeah. to sit down and meditate or something. Yep. I mean, I assume that you said like an app, you probably had, uh, what's it called? One had Headspace on. Yes. And that's that was my entry into meditation. Yep. And even now, I don't feel like I'm like a advanced meditator, I yeah. guess. But it's something that... It kind of destigmatized it a little bit. Just mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's yeah. try this. Um, so, what did you do in order to get more into it and not not think that it was this kind of yeah frou frou thing? So, what's funny is it actually took my migraines getting worse for two months at status quo, and I ended up having to take off of work and go into short term disability for mm-hmm. six weeks. Um, and it was at that point that I was really willing to give something another shot Mm -hmm. and ended up working with a one-on-one mindfulness coach who helped at least point me to a few books and my own independent research, um, which led me to just understand more of the science behind our stress response, science behind just how the brain works and then the science of mindfulness and meditation too, um, where there's been such a large amount of research done by some of the most respected research houses in the Western world, right? Your Harvard's, your Johns Hopkins, mm-hmm. even the Association of Military Surgeons of the United States. Um, really big house has been studying meditation and kind of the big reader's digest line around meditation and its proven benefits is that it helps us counteract this involuntary stress response that we're all suffering from um, both our brains and our bodies, but it's an involuntary response, right? And because of that, it's hard to pull ourselves out of stress. And meditation is that one kind of proven 
tool set that helps us counteract all of the biochemical effects of a stress response that is doing us largely no favors right now. Do you think that most people don't understand that there's science behind it? Yes. I mean, I think people know that there probably is science behind it, uh-huh. but I don't think most people care. Yeah. And I think there's, like with a lot of things too, right? Oh, there's like pseudoscience that's out there as well, yeah. right? And there's also the ability to pay for any study that you want. Yeah. Um, and I think there's definitely an aspect of that. And I felt that initially head on too. Um, and that's when I dug more and found out that again, some of the most respected Western world research houses have been studying meditation since the seventies. Um, and those aren't necessarily organizations that you can just pay off with a little bit of yeah. frou-frou, like we want to prove this X, Y, Z. I feel like it's just a lot of, um, a, I mean, it just is kind of the reputation of meditation and things like that. It precedes everything. Yep. Uh, did you encounter resistance with this when you started bringing it to the corporate setting was it something that people were worried about you know doing in at their everyday jobs and things like that not so much but I think that there's probably a decent amount of bias in that um one in that a lot of my initial intros were just warm intros of relationships I already had yeah and so I think part of that was that I was lucky in bringing in a certain amount of respect just from existing relationships. Um, I also very deliberately packaged up the product and the service to feel a little bit less fluffy and to be more of the kind of common overlap of corporate talk and mindfulness talk. Um, Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I've found and still do find myself in the really unique position of both being able to have the mindfulness and kind of psychology expertise, but also the corporate expertise and knowing that organizations need to figure out what the benefit is and what the ROI is and how to make that business case too. Yeah. You've said the word a few times and I think it's a word that gets thrown around a lot by people and I don't think a lot of people know what it means, but it's mindfulness. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you? Mindfulness to me, I like to just use the formal definition of that non-judgmental awareness of the present moment, right? Um, One piece of that is just being mentally present. So not worrying about the future, not replaying the past, being in the here and now, having my brain be exactly where my body is and not kind of floating in another la-la land. Mm -hmm. Other big piece of it is that non-judgmental awareness. And that is where I think I probably get some of the most benefit out of mindfulness and where I think I see a lot of people, myself included, getting the most life change. Yeah. Um, practicing non-judgmental awareness is essentially being able to say that you're having some kind of reaction, a thought, emotion, reaction, and recognize that your brain learned that from some previous experience. Your brain adapts every reaction from something we learned in the past, right? And so practicing non-judgmental awareness and mindfulness means saying, I'm having this reaction. No, I learned it somewhere previous. Where did I learn it? Could I learn it? No, I learned it X, Y, Z given the situation right now, is this reaction truly relevant and productive to the here and now? Or is it maybe more sticky and rooted to this past experience that was really strong? Mm -hmm. Um, That is such a big crux of mindfulness around so much of how we live and perceive life from work in interpersonal communications, feedback conversations, managing up, managing down to personal relationships around yeah. interactions with friends, interactions with partners, et cetera. Well, so recalibrate uh, on the website itself. It just says that it aims to destigmatize mental self-care with science. Mm-hmm. And 
I want to talk about this as it pertains to the corporate setting. Yeah. Um, what stigmas currently exist when you go to a new business mm-hmm. and they're implementing this? Yep. I think there's a lot of stigma around what we talked about. Um, something feeling kind of fluffy and not hardcore and not tangible enough. And then there's another stigma, I think, just around wellness in general, around either being too cookie cutter or not working or just being scrutinized in general for mm-hmm. a line, a budgetary line item. Um, so as far as kind of addressing that stigma, right? Yeah. Um, I think every time, anytime we look at prior strong stigmas in history that have eventually gotten uh, changed over, if you will, um, there are stigmas in sexual orientation with... Um, what people look like with mm-hmm. how people talk with so many different stigmas and at the crux of stigmas, there's kind of a piece around just societal bias, um, generally rooted in kind of fear or shame or belonging. Yeah. And then there's another big piece around just lack of education. Right. Um, and I think those two together kind of feed off of each other because if there's fear and shame and, uh, non-belonging and there's also a lack of education to prove that wrong then it's kind of just a vicious cycle of we don't really know what we're talking about but at the same time we're too scared to be ostracized and stand up for something mm-hmm. and it kind of just feeds off of each other right um, and so I think it takes looking at both of those pillars and trying to dismantle one or the other and for us it's all around that education piece right mm-hmm. I recognize that in today's society, we put such an emphasis on physical wellness and we know a lot about the science behind it every day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everything about how everything works from the head There's down, There's too right? much science. I think it's like <laughs> almost counterintuitive. Like a counter, it's yeah. almost destructive. There's so much science behind yeah. it because people are just being told different yes. strategies every month, every week, every day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but then at the same time, right? We know 15 different ways to work our biceps, um, 20 different ways we can use tea to make our bodies healthier, right? That are all rooted in science. But then we don't generally know much, if anything, about the science behind how our brains work Um, and just the neuroscience and neurobehavioral science behind why I like certain things, why I react with anger versus fear versus joy, right? Um, How I interact with people. And the brain is what runs everything for us, right? It's how we experience life. It's how our body runs itself. Um, And it just felt like it was ludicrous to live in a society that focuses so much on the science of physical wellness from the head down, Mm -hmm. but to not know anything about how our brains work because there's still a little bit of a stigma around the concept of mental health, the concept of emotional health, et cetera. Yeah. On a corporate level, what are some of the most common problems that your clients encounter that can be remedied with recalibrate? Yeah. Um, The kind of big macro ones are just around stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, These are two very common things that I think everyone can relate to that kind of get in the way of productivity and focus and clarity. And so stress and anxiety are two big ones that we focus on. Um, Some examples of some of the smaller ones that we work with are around self-doubt, self-criticism, imposter syndrome impacts a lot of people um, today, as well as kind of 
self-awareness and emotional intelligence and emotional resilience as well. Mm-hmm. Do you do you mainly work with like the C-suite level people or is it everyone from the CEO on down? Everyone, um, all the levels, which is pretty cool. Um, we certainly, if we have a group that is all in the same role, then we'll specialize the trainings or the workshops to that similar role. Mm-hmm. But so many of these themes and tools um, are designed to translate to all different types of industries, roles, and levels of responsibility. Yeah. I think that there's probably, I've never been in the C-suite of like some major corporation. Yeah. Um, as someone who's always been employed by somebody else, except for now, I guess, but I don't exactly, <laughs> I don't exactly look at our corporate offices and be like, yeah, we're uh, very corporate. Yeah. But I mean, I think that nine to five people, you mm-hmm. know, the cubicle warriors, the weekend warriors, whatever yeah. you want to call them, they deal with these things on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the times it just gets chalked up to like, I just don't like my job. Yeah. Are there any meditation or mindfulness techniques that these people can do on a daily basis that can maybe help them? I mean, I'm not asking yeah. for like a, a exact plan of action <laughs> yeah. for them, but I mean, just certain things that people might be able to think about in the future right. when they encounter a problem. Absolutely. Um, so one that I really like to do is having clients spend five minutes every day with just a quick little journaling reflection activity right around asking yourself and just pausing and asking yourself how am i feeling why do how do i know that i'm feeling this right so do i feel in my body is it in my brain um and then thinking through why do i feel this way so that's broken into both kind of the root of where we think we're having this reaction, this feeling in current state, but also like we were talking about before, where might I have learned this reaction as Mm -hmm. an adaption to this type of situation in the past, right? Um, We like to have clients do that just to give yourself a little bit of space for reflection. Um, Similar to what you were saying, the nine to fivers, the work warriors are at such a go, go, go pace and do experience so much stress and anxiety and different bullshit all along the way, right? Um, that we talk it up to, we had a bad day and we don't like our job. And that's because I, I believe we're not making a lot of space to understand what made our day good and bad or why we think something is good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that, the easiest answer is this must be the job, so I should find something new. And a lot of the times it's something that's a lot more underlying beyond yeah. that, right? Um, and if we can mine down into the root of the problem more carefully, we can solve the problem more carefully and more accurately too. Um, A lot of the mindfulness work I describe as almost brain detective work, if you will, um, where a lot of it is just doing the understanding work to understand how our brains were wired to react and perceive things the way we do, not necessarily to change them and change everything, but to understand where things might be a little outdated. So if I'm perceiving something with anger all the time because of a really big event that happened earlier in my life, do I really need to be doing that? Is the best re- that the best return on investment of living my life in the here and now, or am I just kind of reliving the same loop over and over again? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's huge for how we experience work day to day as well. One tool that I'll say is easier than the five minute journaling reflection tool um, is just pausing in the middle of the day or the end of the day to take three deep breaths into the base of our belly and make that your exhale twice as long as your inhale. Okay. Um, this is a breathing technique that is kind of proven to just help turn on our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the part of the nervous system that calms down our heart rate, calms down our muscle activity, and also kind of counteracts that stress response. So 
breathing deep into the belly, which just basically forces us to breathe really deep into our lung cavities. And then making that exhale twice as long is a really just soothing tool to pull ourselves out of the stress response too, um, which really can help us not feed the stress and anxiety loops that make things essentially kind of worse and worse for ourselves and those around us. Is there anything that you do on a daily basis that manages your stress? Yeah. I use that double exhale technique a lot, all the time. (laughs) Um, I do also try to make time for journaling and reflecting on how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that way. Um, And probably once a month too, I do a more detailed inventory of just the different tasks and activities I've done both in work and outside of work and how engaging, energizing those are. Um, Again, to keep kind of an inventory of what is contributing to energy engagement in my life and what isn't and why that might be. Yeah. Um, But just generally, I think the mindful awareness moment to moment is something that I'm practicing all the time at this point, um, which is huge. Do you have any tips for people that you know, have tried to do these things, these small exercises that seem like, I mean, if you, if you told me, well, your life will be much better if you take three deep breaths every single day and yeah. exhale twice as long. The thing is people might do it once, yeah. never do it again. Yep. Absolutely. And when it comes to meditation, um, I mean, I'll use Sally, my fiance for, yeah. as an example. She did headspace a few times. Mm-hmm. She didn't like it. She lost interest in it yeah. while she was doing it. And yep. it was something that she didn't want to keep implementing. Yeah. And for me, once like my free trial was up, yeah. I, I started doing it more on my own, but yep. it was the kind of thing where it, you kind of fall off a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's, do you have any tips for people to keep implementing those kind of strategies into their own lives? Yeah. My biggest tip is to find some kind of routine that already exists in your life where you can work a few moments of mindfulness or meditation in. Mm-hmm. Um, neuroscience in general just shows that it's easier to implement a new habit if you attach it to an existing routine versus create a brand new routine that the brain has to learn and okay. map in. So a few examples of one that I think a lot of people have throughout the workday. Um, one is in the morning around caffeine. So we all spend a few minutes generally either making coffee or waiting for tea to steep. And those are a few minutes where you can take a few breaths, see how you're feeling, just use your five senses to notice what's going on around you and kind of be in the here and now. Yeah. Um, Another time is right before lunchtime. Spend five minutes before lunch every single day, jumping on your app, jumping into a conference room, playing a guided meditation or just doing a self-guided meditation. Um, The simpler version of that is just taking three deep breaths before you eat. And that's actually not only great for your mind, but also proven to be really good for your gut health as well. Anytime we're in the stress response, it's terrible for our digestion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The last one, which is my favorite routine to work mindfulness into that I was using a ton while still in the office setting was your departure from the office walking to your car or bike or mode of transportation. So whenever you walk out of the office for those next two minutes, if you will, um, you use all five of your senses to notice what the sky looks like, notice what the sun feels like on your skin, notice what you hear. And it sounds so simple, but so many of us live only in our heads that we've kind of desensitized our sensory inputs around. Oh, 100%. Yeah, around just using our five senses. And it's such a great way to practice that presence and non-judgment of mindfulness. Um, And that routine of walking from the office to your car is also a routine that generally won't get as interrupted or calendared over as some of the other routines throughout the day, which makes it more protected, more consistent of a routine that you can practice mindfulness in. Um, And then lastly, I just love that it's a good way to 
calm down the mental chatter coming out of your office and getting ready to yeah go back home into life. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, do you think do you think people being on their phones has to do with you know getting out of that routine and messing up? I do think that there are good things about our phones, like yeah. the apps we talked about and things like that. Yeah. But at the same time, when you think about how much time you're spending just mindlessly looking at your phone, and you could dedicate five of those minutes to doing something that, like, science based, helps your mm-hmm. mental health. I do think that the phone can be pesky because our brains are very automated and know what objects equal what patterns, right? And so a lot of us pattern our phones into checking email or the distraction of social media and don't seek kind of a mindful peace when we are holding our phone, right? Mm -hmm. There are so many millions of other distractions that we can turn to for our phone that our brains are kind of already patterned. And so I think sometimes it can be really hard to get into a mindful state if we're still holding on to a device that our brain largely associates with kind of the antithesis of Mm -hmm. a mindful, aware, and present state. I mean, there are times when I just will plug my phone in in my bedroom and leave it in there to charge the entire time. Yeah. Whereas I used to just plug my phone in and then sit there while it was plugged in and keep surfing it. And I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And it's all kind of just that awareness and training, right? Because our brains are very efficient, which is fantastic. But then it also means that we might just start doing things out of habit without like fully even knowing why or yeah. how we got to that place. <laughs> Who are you now versus uh, the person that you were before you started Recalibrate? Oh, you know, so much of me, um, I think, is the same person. Um, I would say that the really big things that have changed are around my own awareness um, and kind of my cycle of being aware to choosing a reaction, right? I think I was in many ways kind of an automated, well-oiled machine Mm -hmm. (laughs) before, um, especially when it came to performance and um, needing to find a result, um, as well as kind of feeding that where stress is a badge of honor, um, always be overworked type cast as well. Where right now, I still am working hard. And as you know, starting your own gig um, mm-hmm. isn't necessarily easier by any means. And yeah. in many ways, is more challenging. And there's, it's, it's different kinds of stress. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah whole new flavors, right? Um, where it's funny because I'll have, I still keep in touch with a lot of people I used to work with. And they'll ask me like, so are you a totally new person? Do you just not stress anymore? <laughs> like, it's like no, dude. No, that's not what happens. <laughs> Have you ever tried forming something brand new in a brand new industry? No. Well, and people also don't understand that even if you change to something that you might be enjoying professionally more, yeah. I mean, there's still stress outside Absolutely. of the workplace. Like yeah. Most of the stuff I've always stressed about has not been the actual work itself, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's like the money I make isn't enough. Yeah. It's, it has to do with work, right. but my personal life is the reason that I'm not making enough money. 100%. Yeah. And I'll tell people too, right? I've realized now too, that I think no matter what you do with your work or your life, you'll always go through the emotional roller coaster of, I feel so inspired and engaged. And then to what am I doing with my life? Right. No matter if you're working or not working. Um, and for me, one of the biggest things that's changed for me is again, my own relationship with my reactions. Right. I still experience so much self doubt and what am I doing? And is this the right thing? And am I making enough money? Mm -hmm. What have I sacrificed? Um, But it's all about understanding and sitting with those reactions and knowing that those were wired into me as defense mechanisms and being able to have the clarity of the here and now around, okay, 
are these things truly as pressing of problems as they feel like right now? And being able to do that work of integrating my subconscious feeling with kind of the conscious knowledge um, and getting those to a better place. Whereas I think previously I was all run on the subconscious of self-criticism fires me into overworking. Mm -hmm. Um, Self-doubt fires me into perfectionism. Um, The needing to have that badge of honor of overwork fires me into working an 80 or 100 hour week without blinking an eye, right? And um, the need for financial security and independence fires me into defending any loved one's question around, should you be working this much? Do you need to be feeding off of work this much? As a defensive, of course I do. What else am I going to do, right? Um, So I think so much of what's changed about me is just not necessarily that I don't have stress or I don't have these uh, emotional anxieties that we all have, but that I have a very different relationship with them and I'm not feeding into them anymore. Mm -hmm. What was it like waking up the next day after you quit your corporate job? (laughs) You you said that you didn't have anything. I mean, you didn't really have like a direct plan of action. No. Yeah. What I did a very similar thing, (laughs) but what I was transitioning to, I kind of knew what I was going to be doing yeah. in a way. Yeah. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. I knew it was just going to take a little time. Yeah. But it wasn't like I just did it one day. It right. was kind of, we were building towards it and we knew something was going to change with yeah. my status at the company. Yeah. And so what was it like for you who just didn't have that backup plan? Yeah. Um. The day one was kind of sitting in front of my computer and forcing myself to put a bunch of floating concepts down into a concrete business plan. Um, And so it was taking the first stab at a very lengthy multi-page business plan and spending several weeks from there trying to perfect it and run financial models, figure out financial viability, figure out if the product was really going to work and all of that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fun time. Yeah. (laughs) I'll say that. It was one of the more fun times I've ever had, but it wasn't the same stress that kept me up at night. It was more of just the stress of like, it's go time. Like yeah. you're, not, you're not getting paid by somebody else anymore. Right. You're writing your own paycheck, yeah. so you got to figure it out. Yeah. It's a much more fun stress, and it's a stress that I don't want to have yeah. year after year, but yeah. it's a stress <laughs> that I'm glad I experienced for at least the first time so that I can know that you know you can quit and it's not all going to yeah. be bad. Totally agree with when that. When I told Sally that I was quitting, she was like, I don't think that's a good idea. And I was <laughs> like, well, it's going to happen. I mean, that's where we're trending. <sighs> can I ask you some questions about your Sundays? Yes, Absolutely. What's your ideal Sunday outfit? Oh, something that I can enjoy the outdoors in because that's mm-hmm. kind of one of my favorite Sunday activities, whether it be kind of your standard athleisure uniform mm-hmm. or just like cut off shorts and a nice comfy blouse that you can absorb the sun rays in. <laughs> we kind of live in like a nice place that Austin's pretty casual. Yeah. And so you can wear pretty much anything you just named to like a nice restaurant on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon and no one's going to look twice at you because they're like, oh, she either just got out of a yoga class or she's here you to can. have a cocktail. You can. Absolutely. If I opened your refrigerator right now, what would I find? Oh, God. That would probably depend on if my husband is in town or not. <laughs> if he's not there, I realized after our relationship started that I have somewhat of the refrigerator slash cooking habits of like an elevated frat boy where... <laughs> It'll be like takeout leftovers and maybe yeah. like a bag of broccoli. Because like a pizza like... box that like barely fits into like the <laughs> yeah, refrigerator. But organic. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> like elevated. cauliflower crust from <laughs> yeah. like Trader Joe's yes, or something. But I still didn't make it. <laughs> if he is home, then it's like stocked with produce and ingredients and all the all the things. But 
I think that's a sim- I think that's similar to to my scenario yeah. at my place. Uh, this is kind of a weird question because we just talked about things that you do in order to manage stress and relax. Yeah. But what are your coping mechanisms? What things do you do that aren't meditation or mindfulness exercises yeah. that relax you? Oh man, I mean, I love myself a good uh, shut myself in the living room and binge watch some Netflix. Right now, I'm loving. Succession. I mm-hmm. started Billions before that as well, a little late to the game. See, you like these corporate shows. You <laughs> like the corporate grind a little bit still. <laughs> I do. I didn't say I don't, right? <laughs> um, and then uh, things that I do to relax beyond that. I mean, I love being in nature and outside. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, turning my phone on airplane mode and just not knowing where the hell it is. Yeah. Um, and kind of just immersing myself in the experience of outdoors nature with either my family or with just good friends. Yeah. Do you drink coffee? I drink decaf coffee. Decaf coffee. (laughs) During my migraine battle, we thought that caffeine might be something to play into that. So I very quickly weaned myself onto decaf because I love the taste of coffee. That's that's what I don't think people realize. People that never drink coffee, they don't understand that you get conditioned to just loving the taste of coffee. I I love the taste of coffee. I had a cup of decaf because I'd already had too much caffeine. (laughs) I was at a car dealership the other day and I I just had a cup of decaf. And I was like, this is, I never thought I'd be this person. But yeah. at the same time, like, I can't have more caffeine. Yeah. Um. So I do decaf, but I also do a lot of kind of like green tea. Did you find any uh, relation between the caffeine and migraines? A little bit of one. Um. It wasn't. It didn't end up being the end all be all. But even like accidentally getting a full caffeinated cup of caffeine just kind of made my body freak out and. I've had to switch. I had to wean myself down Yeah, because I was drinking way too much coffee to the point where like I would feel weird if I didn't. Oh, yeah. And I would much rather feel weird if I drink too much coffee. Yeah. And so now I just have one cup a day, whereas I used to have like two red eyes a day. Oh, yeah. It was just terrible for me. Yeah. Uh, I I was the same. It was. How do you take your eggs, whether you're at brunch or you're at home? I like my eggs generally over hard. Really? Yeah. That's not a common answer. I know it's not. <laughs> Is that how you grew up or was it just something that you're like, oh, I, I like just kind of experimented all over the place because I think growing up, I had only had them scrambled for the most part. Yeah. Um, and I knew Sunny Side Up existed from like drawing them that way, but had never really tasted that as yeah. an, until I was an adult. <laughs> and then consulting lifestyle affords you plenty of expense accounts um, around spending too much on breakfast, right? Oh, and yeah. So... I had the luxury of, I felt like trying out all kinds of egg orders and then over hard ended up being my order. And I know that it's not very common. People get even confused. I yeah. Mean, I've, what, They're like, do you want it fried? I'm like, I mean, I, I guess because this isn't translating. So yeah, sure. But. Okay. Yeah. I used to get over medium once in a while and like people yeah. are like, what are you even talking about? Yes. They're like, no, I meant scrambled or yeah. sunny side up. Like, I did I, go through an over medium phase. Okay. Too. I, I was a big over medium. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what they call it when they do when you eat like ramen or something and yeah. the egg is kind of like oh where it's soft soft boiled yeah like a, i love soft boiled i mean yeah i'd do that i, I mean i'd take a soy sauce soft boiled egg on ramen for breakfast any day oh, it's the to best. be honest <laughs> <laughs> um who's your favorite instagram follow or follows right now huh you know a new one that i've been really liking um that's an account from Ray Dalio, um, he's the founder of a hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates, but he has an Instagram account that I think is tied to a book that he just wrote, but it's called Principles. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the handle is just at Principles. It's a good handle. Um, Yeah. And so 
all his posts are just little snippets of what I assume to be principles from his principles book um, of things to do to build a successful organization. And I like them because they're not as obvious as I think what you'll see a lot of time on similar comparable accounts, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Where like the most recent one focused on speaking up or getting out, right? And, And focused on the fact that if you have something to say, like you either need to find a productive way to speak up your criticism or let it go or leave, right? But yeah. like what you cannot do, which I think a lot of us are guilty of, I have been for sure. But oh, you like I'm definitely guilty. secretly cling to this quiet criticism and tell everyone but the person who needs to know and keep it against them as this score. Um, but that doesn't do anything for an organization, no, right? Um, and so there are little tidbits like that, which I love either as a reminder or as a new learning. And I'm- I was talking about this with somebody recently. I was way too old when I realized that speaking up was so much better than not. Yeah. The fear of speaking up, the fear of like, I mean, even just talking to somebody about um, an issue you saw that's just small rather yeah. than just not saying anything Absolutely. or if you make a mistake, speaking up and being like, I, I messed up. Right. Sorry. Whatever. Yeah. People get, it's so much easier just to do yeah, that. And absolutely. so I might need to follow at principles. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the final question, what's your ideal Sunday? Ooh, ideal Sunday. Something active. Um, I do a lot of ride indoor cycling classes. So okay. probably start with that. Get do you have a, a go-to little... studio? Yeah. Um, ride. Okay. They're here in town. That's one that I would go to. When... Yeah. I don't do it as much anymore, I but Sally I used to do it. There. She, yeah, she doesn't go as much before. either, but that's the one that we would go to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, followed by a good, good little breakfast taco situation. Love Papalote right down the street. There you go. Um, and then something outdoors with husband, friends, dogs, whether it's hanging out at Zilker mm-hmm. or just hanging on in our backyard on a patio. Um, and then me and my husband kind of have a tradition of having Sunday nights just to ourselves to hang out together and kind of connect um, knowing that so much of the week and the weekend can often be filled with other other fun stuff. Oh, yeah. If it's after 6 p.m., you can pretty much guarantee that we're in the same place yeah. every single night, like yeah. after after the sun starts going down. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gloria, thank you so much for sitting down. Thank you for I having I really me. appreciate it. I appreciate it, too. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter, which is at SundayScaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at WillToFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.